didn't get a chance to do it earlier, so I really had to do it this time. So, surprise. You can still leave. It's still early. You're not as quick when you got your shoes on, so nice try. But uh, why don't you guys um, just uh, pray with me real quick, just to let God um, inspire me and inspire you guys this morning. Why don't you guys bow your heads with me real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity again to, to preach your word. This is a tough topic for me, and it's a tough topic for a lot of people. Lord, you've been preaching to me as I've been putting this message together. I pray that you continue to preach to me as I preach this message. Father, help me to have the humility to swallow my pride. Because pride is a big reason why we don't have priorities. And Lord, just help us to put our priorities into practice. I pray that your spirit would continue to move today in our worship service. And I pray that the the spirit would continue to move in all these people today. And help all these people to take the spirit with them wherever they go where the Spirit is convicting them and transforming them each and every day, Father. Because we can't live this life. We can't set priorities without your Holy Spirit. We love you and we praise you. We give you the glory and the honor, Father. In your mighty and precious name, amen. All right, how many of you guys remember the Stretch Armstrong toy? This is really going to show some of you guys um, with your age. I remember like the mid-90s version of the Stretch Armstrong doll. It was that cheesy looking guy right over there. You could stretch his arms and his legs. It was so cool because he could stretch about a good four or five feet. But if you try to stretch him beyond that, you know, you, you would see that he would uh, have some tears, you know, eventually. And you didn't want to go beyond those limits of four or five feet. But I think a lot of times... We think we're Stretch Armstrong. We think we can stretch crazy far. We think that we can be stretched thin. We think that we can be everything to everyone all the time. And we think we can just go back to our original form the next day, like Stretch Armstrong every time you stretch him and you let him go. Because he goes back to his original form when you let him go. And I think a big reason why we try to be a Stretch Armstrong is because we try to be the yes man. We try to be the Yes Man. Do you guys remember this movie, The Yes Man? Jim Carrey was the big star in Yes Man. It was about this uh, lone officer. He was just a, a pessimistic kind of guy. He was very discouraging towards other people. And one of his friends encourages him to go to a Yes Seminar. And this guy really confronts him at this Yes Seminar. And he convinces um, Carl, that was the name of the... Of the you know, loan officer, this guy convinces Carl to be a yes man, to say yes to every opportunity that's thrown his way. And so, he almost says yes to every opportunity that's thrown his way. And, and it works to his advantage, you know, in some ways, but in some other ways, it doesn't work to his, his advantage, and he gets stressed out with saying yes to everything. And eventually, he comes back into contact with this uh, motivational speaker towards the end of the movie, and the motivational speaker says... I don't want you to say yes to every single opportunity. I just want you to say yes 
a good chunk of the time, I wanted you to learn how to say no when you need to say no. But I wanted you to have this attitude where you could say yes once in a while because you were always saying no to a lot of things before. We're in this uh, series called Crazy Busy. Based on a book by Kevin DeYoung called Crazy Busy. And it talks about how busyness can be bad and how it can rot our souls and our hearts if we let busyness run our lives. And a big reason why we don't let busyness be a positive thing in our lives is because we don't set priorities. We don't define priorities in our lives. I think this message is more relevant here compared to a lot of other places in the country. From the outside looking in, from being here a little over a year and a half, I see the go, go, go mentality around here. It seems like 24-hour days are stretched into like 25-hour days. It seems like every minute has to be accounted for. I, I talk to a lot of people. Well, I'm involved in every humanitarian cause. I work 40 hours a week, and then, you know, I got another job, and then I don't have time to breathe, and I wake up and I do it all over again. And you feel pressured to be that way because you're around a lot of people like that. And it's hard to set priorities because you always feel like you're too lazy. You always feel like there's something you've got to do to play a part in society. I saw a movie um, this weekend called When the Game Stands Tall. It's with Jim Cavazzi. It was a really good movie. And there was a quote that stuck out to me from that movie. One of the coaches said, Don't let a game define who you are. Let the way you live your life do that. I think we treat life like it's a game when we don't set priorities. It's about getting ahead. It's about being number one. But we don't let our, the way we live our lives define who we are. Because if we have Christ at the head of our lives, we're going to set priorities. And people are going to see that we set priorities by the way we live our lives. And we're not going to treat this life like it's a game. Jesus dealt with busyness. You know, Jesus humbled himself as a human. We read that in Philippians chapter 2. Because he wanted to relate with us. He wanted to feel what we feel. He didn't sin, but he felt everything else that humans feel. And he was tempted to be sinfully busy. He was never sinfully busy, but he was tempted to be sinfully busy. He felt the pressures of being everything to everyone. He felt the pressures of being a yes man and a stretch Armstrong. Kevin DeYoung has a quote that really paints a picture of how Jesus could identify with us. He says, Jesus did not float above the fray. Untouched by the pressures of normal human existence, our Lord did not sit around listening to heart music all day while the angels brought him heavenly bananas. That creates some graphic imagery, huh? Jesus knew what we go through each and every day. We don't like to say no to people. We don't like to set priorities. But Jesus was getting bogged with somebody that needed to be healed, somebody that needed a demon cast out of them, somebody that needed to see each and every day. And he couldn't meet all these needs. Because the human side of him would not let him do that. And he wanted to show his humility through being a human, by not meeting everybody's needs. But more importantly, he knew he had a mission. He knew he had priorities. He wanted to heal people. He wanted to cast out demons. He had a heart for people. He had compassion for people. But that wasn't his main mission. That wasn't his main mission. 
We see his main mission in Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. Mark chapter one verses thirty one through uh, or Mark chapter one verses thirty five through thirty nine really paints a picture of Jesus's priorities on this earth. Starting in verse thirty five, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. We see Jesus' priorities. We see Jesus' mission in these verses. Simon and his companions are like, Hey, everyone's looking for you. There's somebody to heal. There's somebody that needs sight. There's somebody that needs a demon casted out of them. What are you doing? You're just staying put. You're just spending time with the Father. And Jesus is like, let's go somewhere else and preach. He didn't say anything about all those people that need to be healed. He didn't say anything about those people that needed a demon cast out. He's like, let's go to the next town and preach. So first we see him praying. We see him being connected to his father. Then we see him wanting to go to another town to preach. See, those were Jesus' main priorities. To spend time with the father and to preach the gospel. And all these things would eventually lead him to the cross to die for all humanity. He would save, you know, a few people from their sicknesses along the way. He would restore some people's sight along the way. But his main mission was to preach the gospel and to spend time with the Father. And both those things would eventually lead him to the cross. And Jesus had to say that dreaded word, no, once in a while. Which is the rough word that we don't like to say a lot of the time. Here's the first reason why we don't define priorities in our life. This is reason number one of why we don't define priorities in our life. We want to please people. We want to please people. This, this sounds very elementary, but we don't think about it enough. We want to please people. And why do we want to please people? We want people to like us. We want people to hurt our reputation. We want to make money. We want a good job. We want to have a lot of friends. And we try to be a yes man so we can get a lot of people to like us. But here's a reality, guys. Here's a huge reality. There was a lot of people that didn't like Jesus. There was a lot of people that didn't like Jesus. John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. So if you think people aren't going to like you, just remember there's a lot of people that didn't like Jesus. A lot of the Pharisees in particular. Jesus was always like a rebel to a lot of the Pharisees. You know, Jesus didn't always conform with the Pharisees and their way of thinking. 
There was a lot of people that didn't like him also because he had to die. There were probably a few people here and there that didn't like him, and that's how he ended up on a cross. So if you're on a quest to be perfect, the perfect man had people that didn't like him. So you've been punked, sorry, if you think that there's some way that you can be perfect and have everybody like you. It's just not going to work. I'm in leadership, and I know this firsthand that there's a lot of people that don't like me. I make decisions each and every day that people don't like. I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys are in leadership, and you guys make decisions that people don't like each and every day. You know, our president, we're not getting the whole political debate right now, but he makes a lot of decisions that people don't like. Even if there was a president that you did like, he would make decisions that a lot of people don't like. There's always going to be people that don't like you. You can't worry about what everybody else thinks all the time. It's stressful, and it keeps you from uh, defining priorities in your life. John 16.33 says, In this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble, and people will not like you because you're a Christian, because you follow Christ. But Jesus says also, Take heart, for I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. This is the second reason why we don't like to define priorities. We don't feel holy enough. We don't feel like we're following Jesus enough a lot of the time. It, it feels like there's always some mission organization, there's always some ministry that wants you to be involved. In our world period, there's always people that are trying to get you involved in something. Opinions are like armpits. Everybody has one. Everybody has their own opinion of what is important and what you need to be passionate about. In a world, it might be save the whales, you know? Um, or it might be, you know, vote Republican, vote Democrat. Or it could be, you know, kill global warming. You know, who knows what it is? But everybody's trying to get you to join some kind of cause. And they're going to get under your emotions. They're definitely going to get under your emotions. And Satan likes to use emotions for a lot of horrible things. We bring causes to the Christian world. People like to get under people's emotions in the Christian world. There's a lot of Christians that like to make people feel guilty if they don't join their missions organization or if they don't join their ministry. Because they think, you need to be passionate about this missions organization or you need to be passionate about this ministry. And you feel guilted into things instead of feeling led to a ministry or to a missions organization. And here's the reality, guys. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the body of Christ. How we all represent a different body part with our different gifts and passions that God gives us. And we're not all going to have the same passions. It's just a reality. We're not all going to have the same passions. Some of us are going to be more passionate about overseas missions. Others of us are going to be more passionate about human sex trafficking overseas. Some of us are going to be more passionate about poverty. It's just the way we're wired from the way that we've been created. Because we were created with a purpose. We were created with a purpose of being part of the body of Christ, where each body part comes together and moves together with one purpose. A lot of churches have this one-size-fits-all kind of mentality. Well, see, that church, they're really passionate about outreach, so we need to be as passionate about outreach as they are. This church 
is more passionate about overseas missions. So we need to be more passionate about overseas missions. And the reality is, is you can't be passionate about everything in 100%. We'd have a really boring God. If everybody was passionate about the same things, and every church was passionate about the same things at 100%, it's just not possible. If everybody's passionate about overseas missions, you know, the workers are few, you know, over here with the youth ministry at a church. The workers are few over here with the children's ministry at a church. The workers are few over here with the homeless in Chicago. Not everybody can be at the same place at the same time, because God didn't design us to be at the same place at the same time with the same passions. And then we have to say that dreaded word, no. I struggle with saying this word, no, being a 28-year-old single youth minister, because everybody thinks you just need to spend every second of the day praying or, or doing some kind of ministry. Well, technically, you know, I serve the Lord with my life, so... I am doing ministry each and every day, but I'm not hanging out here. You know, I'm not putting lessons together. You know, I'm not praying every five seconds of the day. You know, Colossians says, whether it's through word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord. So I got that part down. But it's like, here's a couple questions I ask. A, can I have time to go to the bathroom or eat some meals if I always got to serve the Lord every second of the day? See, I, I try to rationalize that in my mind. I'm like... You guys don't even want me to function with my own body. It's like crazy. It's unreal. You know, but I'm not saying you guys like you guys, but, you know, you get the point. I don't want people throwing. <laughs> I'll see you outside after church. But he's scary. He looks like Mr. Clean with that bald head. But anyways, um, yeah, it, it's crazy, you know, because when, when people think you're, you know, Somebody that needs to do something every second of the day because you're single and you don't have a family and a lot of responsibility, it's easy to give into this stuff and a lot of people think you're lazy. And you know, when you're 28 and single, a lot of people think you're lazy anyways because you don't have a lot of, a lot of responsibility. And people think your underwear is hanging out all over the house and it really isn't, but that's what people think because that's their perception sometimes. It's easier to find what's all over the ground, don't you know that? When you like leave a bunch of papers all over? No, I don't do that. I'm just joking. But anyways, you can't be everything to everybody. You can't always feel like you're never holy enough. Because we're never going to be holy enough compared to God. And that's where our humility comes in. When we have that kind of humility, we realize, hey, I'm passionate about certain things, and I'm going to put my time and my money into those certain things, but we can always pray for everything. Isn't that cool? You know, James says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Prayer is more powerful than anything else we can do with our own bodies or with our own money. So just remember that. We can always pray for everything, even though we're not going to be passionate about every ministry and every missions organization. Let's talk about some of the dangers of not defining priorities. We talked about some of the reasons. But because of some of these reasons, we create a lot of dangers for ourselves. Here's danger number one. You don't know who you are. You don't know who you are. When you, know, when you don't define priorities, everybody else sets your priorities for you. Everybody else defines who you are. Everybody else defines your goals. Everybody else defines where you're going. And you're dragged by everybody else. You are stretched arm strong. You're being stretched in eight different directions because you don't know who the heck you are. And sometimes the most theological song we can sing is Who Are You by The Who. 
Just the chorus, not the verses. It's for all my CSI fans out there, too. Who are you? Ask yourself that question. Who the heck are you? We look at James chapter 1. And James chapter 1 really convicts us with, with this idea of remembering our identity. Starting at verse 22, going through verse 24. James 1, 22 through 24 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's like we look in a mirror and we see that we're a child of God and we're created for a certain purpose under God. Then we don't define priorities. And we don't put God's word into practice. And we totally forget what we were looking at at one time in the mirror. We forget that we were looking at a child of God who's created for a certain purpose, who's wired for a certain purpose. Who are you? Who in the heck are you? Remember that. And you might be asking yourself, what is my purpose? I'm glad you asked. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 gives you a pretty clear picture of what your purpose is. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's masterpiece. We are his workmanship. He spent so much time and energy and effort on us more than anything else. Because we're his workmanship. And God has created good works in advance for us to do. That's our purpose. That's who we are. And nobody can take that away from you. If you ask the question, who you are because of God, because God has created you to do good works for Him based on what you've been wired to do. Here's danger number two. You don't have energy for what matters. You don't have energy for what matters. When you're running around trying to be everything to everyone, you can't give the people that you want to give the time of day to. We talk about the glorious multitasking concept where we're trying to do two things at once. And some people can master that pretty well, but even the people that master it pretty well shouldn't be doing it anyways. Because there's been studies done that, you know, if there's two things that require a lot of mental activity, something's going to give. Something's going to give. You can't do two things that require a lot of mental activity at once. This is what I'm famous for. I love to pick up the remote, switch channels, and eat chips. You know, that's pretty easy. That doesn't require a lot of mental activity, Right? Walking and talking, I don't do a lot of that, but you know that doesn't require a lot of mental activity. How about texting and trying to talk to your kids about their day? That's not great multitasking. Both of those things take a lot of mental activity. What about working on a work project and trying to talk to your kids? You know, that's not good multitasking. This isn't biased. Kids, what about when you're playing video games and your mom's trying to tell you what you need to do? You know, for chores. Not good multitasking. Not good multitasking at all. And here's another reality. We tend to lead people on. And we waste our energy, 
I'm going to waste other people's energy. I'm famous for this. You know, if somebody asks me to do something I don't want to do, I'll be like, I'll think about it. I'm like, Lord, Lord, please don't let them bug me anymore. Maybe they'll just leave me alone, please. Then two weeks later, hey, God! And you're like freaking out, and you're like, oh, darn it! They're talking to me again. Now I've got to give them an answer. You know, leading people on isn't just for the dating world, you know? It, it works with defining your priorities. We don't want to tell people no. We don't want to tell people no. And because we don't want to tell people no, we don't like to tell people, hey, I don't want to lead you on. The answer is no. Or this is another famous one. You know, you keep on telling people, I'll think about it, I'll think about it, I'll think about it. There may not be a big pause until they ask you again about something, but maybe on a weekly basis they're like, I'll think, you'll say, I'll think about it, I'll think about it, I'll think about it, I'll think about it. And this is another scenario that can happen. Somebody's like, you know what, you can't give me a yes or no answer. I'm ticked off. I'm going to give you an answer. And the answer is no. Have some of you guys been in that situation where somebody puts you in a corner after a certain you know, point in time because you constantly say, hey, I'll think about it, I'll think about it, I'll think about it, I'll think about it, and somebody's like, I'm tired of this. You just burn a bridge. You just burn a bridge. And we waste our energy and we waste other people's energy. And it's ridiculous. It's crazy ridiculous. You know, the Bible says, let your yes be yes. And you know, no. I think that concept really plays into leading people on. Just say yes or no, not maybe, not I'll think about it. Because you're really being dishonest. You're really playing with your integrity and you don't even realize it. And I've been guilty of this just like anybody else. Tell people yes or no, it's going to hurt. Um, another one of my favorite movies is Moneyball. Has anybody ever seen Moneyball? You know, uh, Billy Bean is talking to his, uh, his right-hand man. And he's talking about cutting players. And he throws out, you know, this question to the guy he's training. He says, would you rather be shot in the chest or shot in the head? I know that's more to think about, but just think about it. Would you rather be shot in the chest or shot in the head? You'd rather be shot in the head because you're going to die faster. If you get shot in the chest, it's going to be slow and painful. Would we rather just tell people, no, it's going to hurt, but it's going to be done. It's going to give people closure. It's not going to waste your time. It's not going to waste somebody else's time. Or would you rather be like, yeah, I'll think about it, 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 I'll think about it. Will you just answer the question, yes or no, you know? Come on now. I want to read you guys a story. It's a pretty humorous story. But uh, it really challenges us to put this whole idea of defining priorities into perspective. A group of friends were deer hunting and paired off in twos for the day. That night, one of the hunters returned alone, staggering under an eight-point buck. Where's Harry, he was asked. Harry had a stroke of some kind. He's a couple miles back up the trail. You left Harry laying there and carried the deer back? Well, said the hunter, I figured no one was going to steal Harry. So this guy has to make a decision that could determine someone that could determine someone's life or death, future. 
based on somebody's priorities. You could tell where this guy's priorities were at. Well, I don't want anybody to steal the deer, but that guy, can, he can lay there and have a stroke. I think we're faced with life or death every day. We're faced with life or death every day. And our priorities are going to determine life or death for us every day. If God is at the head of our lives, if we know our identity in Christ, and we know what we're wired to do, we're going to have the right priorities in line. And we're going to be faced with the scenario of life or death. And people are going to know what our priorities are based on our actions. People are going to know what your priorities are based on your actions. You may not even have priorities, and people are going to already know what your priorities are based on how you act. So what are you going to do? Are you going to worry about people not liking you? Are you going to worry about people making you feel like you're not holy enough? Are you going to rot your heart and your soul? Are you going to lead people wrong? Are you going to waste your time and somebody else's time? It's crazy. It's unreal. Are you going to forget who you are? What good is it to gain the whole world if you lose your soul because you don't define priorities? Are you going to be more worried about the deer instead of the person that's having the stroke? This is eternity, guys. The temporary versus the eternal. Learn to say no. It's going to be a band-aid off the hairy leg. It's going to hurt for a little while. But it needs to be done. It needs to be done. Define your priorities. Why don't you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, just for this, this opportunity to examine our priorities, or whether or not we even have priorities. Father God, give, an open, give us open hearts and, and open minds as we search our hearts to determine our priorities. We love you and, and we praise you, and I pray that you just uh, continue to bless the rest of the worship service, Father. Um, help us just to reflect on these words that we're singing. Let them be a part of our life. We love you and we praise you. In your mighty precious name, amen. And as we sing our final.